Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Gene Therapy. I am Coach Gene Clemens. Thank you for joining me on the Comedy World Network Sports, CWN Sports. I appreciate it. All of the support so far for the column and for the podcast. Um, make sure that you check out the pod, the column if you have not already. It's probably above where you clicked on this podcast at. So, um, read the words, listen to the words. And I have somebody here today that I know you're going to want to hear from. Um, this this gentleman is not only heavy into fantasy, but is, is really a great resource when it comes to anything that has to do with sports wagering, whether that's fantasy sports, um, one-day fantasy sports, full-seasons fantasy sports, if you got a keeper league, um and, and and obviously gambling if you're um if you if that's your if that's your taste de jour if you will um we call him CJ it's Chris James Chris James a football game plan also check out his podcast chopping it up with CJ um three times a week Chris I appreciate you joining me man well, thank you for having me on Gene Absolutely. And we, you know, we talk a lot. We talk daily um, about the most, you know, randomest, you know, randomest stuff. Um, but one thing we we tend to, to definitely talk about a lot has to do with um, probably angles with sports where we see them, um, especially when it comes to the realm of fantasy and um, sports gambling. Um, it's interesting because you know, we, we, we talk about this. It's not like the rest of the guys that we normally chop it up with are really heavily into fantasy, um, especially the way that we are. Um, and right. so it's, it's, it's interesting because a lot of times we'll be having conversations. And even though a lot of our conversations deal with real life scenarios and how they how they equate to fantasy, Sometimes we're just we're thinking about it a little bit more from a fantasy perspective on a regular week to week basis than maybe some of our other guys are. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. I, it's because we're in there more often. We we just deal with it more often, so we have more familiarity. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think I think one of the things I want to start with is um, the popularity of fantasy of fantasy um, sports in general. What? Why do you think that? fantasy has become so intertwined into how we consume sports today. So just my theory on it, and I've heard it in a couple of different places. Fantasy was a way to allow people that didn't participate in the game or weren't familiar with it to become more familiarized. It, it, it added that element of gamification that a lot of people like, and it really leveled the playing field. So it's, you know, if, if myself, you or or one of the guys in football game plan or anyone who's ingratiated in football starts talking to someone, they might not understand concepts, but they'll understand that game that everyone plays. So that's I think that's why it's spread and it's become so popular. Yeah, I think I think it's 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 the gift and the curse, right? Because it, it's brought a lot more people into the game, um, whether it's football, basketball. Um, we know that fantasy got its got its origins in baseball. Um, I think it's fair to say now that football is king when it comes to fantasy, but um, still heavy pe- people who swear by fantasy baseball. 
I, I think the gift and the curse of fantasy has been while more people have, have taken to trying to understand the game, they're really only trying to understand the numbers and not necessarily the game. I think that's where the disconnect ends up being with the people who rock with fantasy sports and the people who don't really rock with fantasy sports those tend to be the same people who rock with analytics and the people who don't really rock with analytics because there's this thought process that people in fantasy or the analytics world don't really understand the game at the level when it comes off the page. Yeah, and there's this misconception that comes along with them. You've discussed it. I want to just reiterate it. There's this belief that or display that analytics didn't exist in football for eternity it's it's always been there it's just been displayed differently when people say analytics now it's the application of analytics only they take situational football and context and nuance completely out of the game and say well this chart says this the chart says a different thing if you have x quarterback and Patrick Mahomes those are two different people two different situations and so to your point analytics only as an application has become a problem because there's no nuance to it. Absolutely. Like there, there, there are times where, where you look at fantasy and, and somebody will say, well, you know, this, this guy is a must start. And it especially happens with running backs. Like, oh, this running back is a must start because this, this, and this. Um, completely dismissing the team that, that they're playing. And I'm like, if you're, if you have a guy who's a running back and, you know, he's not a he's not a legit receiving weapon out of the backfield. You better bench him versus Tampa Bay. Like you're just not going to get any like. And, and I think a lot of times what fantasy people don't understand is that it, this isn't just me saying it. Your coach is going into the game with the idea that they're not going to they're not going to run the ball a lot, that they're going to they're going to take advantage of where Tampa Bay is weakest at, which is in the passing game. So it's not even a situation of here. I'm, I'm guessing just as a coach, when you look at what's the, what's the road um, or, or the, the, the easiest path to travel and the easiest path to travel versus Tampa Bay is to put the ball in the air. So I would tell anybody who's thinking about, you know, um, fantasy as it, as it pertains to the, the playoffs that are coming up this weekend or any game that you might, run up um into during the rest of this playoff run and beyond is really to check out the matchup and what that matchup says and 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 like throw away this idea that just because somebody was a um that you picked them with a first round pick or just because somebody has been effective all season that they can't have a game that's just set up as a bad type of game for them I think that's where you see a lot of people who've been able, it's why you've had a lot of success. I've had a fair amount of success in fantasy um, because we we're able to kind of blend those worlds together. You know, absolutely. And there's very, very, very few people who are agnostic to matchup, right? Maybe Derek Henry. Yeah. <laughs> but he's not a real person. When it comes no, he's, to an alien. he's an alien. That's yeah. why. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, in general, you have to take all of these things in the, into account, you know, when projections are run, they're supposed to take that into account, but sometimes they go back to this analytics only, right? This player has done X, Y, Z, this, that, and the other. 
and you forget about the fact that okay, this particular week, this the the the, the right uh, Carlton Davis is hurt. Okay, so that even makes a weaker uh, secondary that's not as strong as the run defense even weaker. That that'll change the game plan period for a coaching staff, especially if they have legit receiving threats. They might decide not to run the ball and do a lot of play action just to kind of make it seem like they're going to do something. So you have to take all these things to account to make decisions. You can't just, you know, use this blanket and just throw it over stuff. Yeah, and and that the blanket is what is what really annoys me, and it, it annoys me, it annoys me to no end throughout sports. But it it it, it really comes it really comes out when we talk about who's good and who's not good. And I think that fantasy has had again the gift and the curse. We know more we know more players. We know more players names because of their effectiveness in fantasy, but we somehow then equate that to them being real life good. Like real life elite level guys. Like if I hear another person tell me that Austin Eckler is an elite level running back, I'm going to lose my mind. Like it's nothing against Austin Eckler, but you know, there's levels to this thing and he's not on that level. Like he's, you know, like people were saying, well, you know, Alvin Kamara, um, you know, has had never had a thousand yard rushing season and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, but look at his carries, (laughs) you know, it's like, He's not out there getting 300 carries a a season like some of these, you know, bell cow backs are getting, yet he's still getting close to a thousand yards. That tells you that, yeah, he's at an elite level status, maybe something that a guy like Austin Eckler is not at um, just because he can fill up a stat sheet and get you 65 rushing yards and, and, and a touchdown and then, add in another 68 to 70 receiving yards doesn't make him an elite level running back. It makes him an elite level fantasy player. Right. And yeah, to your point, and this kind of plays into your initial question, why is fantasy so popular? It's because of that. It's quantifiable. It makes it easier for the layperson, And that's not even intended as a pejorative, but a person who doesn't do this, a novice, it makes it easier for them to compare players because they're not used to looking at who's better than who, but it's easy to say 21 points versus 19 in a fantasy game. So it, it, it just gives people the opportunity to truly feel as if they can compete when it comes to the sport. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, CJ, it's okay. You can call it, you can call a spade a spade over here. We don't, <laughs> we don't particularly care. I'm not trying to be politically correct for anyone. Um, these dudes who are casuals, who are out here acting as if they really and truly understand the game, but only really understand it at a fantasy level or at a, what it says on a piece of paper level, give the game a bad name. Sometimes like they, they give it a, they give it a negative connotation because everything is quantifiable in their minds to what's on the paper. Instead of I watched the game, I saw what happened. There's reasons why, this person did such and such. Yeah, a, a lot of times people will go, well, you know, you, you, you can't, you know, you can't give X, Y, Z. Why are you wasting, why are you wasting time? Um, one of the, one of the arguments in analytics is why are you like, why would you waste time giving, handing the ball off when a pass is going to 
equal more yards. It's the it's the argument behind the zero running back, um, you know, philosophy that people are trying to employ in fantasy that they've tried to bring into real you know real world. Like, hey, I can just throw these screen passes or short passes that are going to be essentially long handoffs and get the same effectiveness. And and then we go back and go, well, yeah, that kind of, but now your defense isn't gassed. Your defense doesn't have to worry about the physicality of the game. They're, they mm-hmm. don't have to worry about the dynamics of whether or not there's going to be a run or a pass. Now it just becomes seven on seven. And if you've ever watched the seven on seven, defenses can be really good at that when you just let them know what's coming ahead of time. Right. I mean, to your point, sometimes people expose themselves. You can tell they've never been hit. Right. Facts. (laughs) And part of it is so, so there's the analytics that come along with fantasy football that kind of guide that as an example, one target, is worth 2.3 carries in fantasy football. Okay. I mean, you take that for fantasy football, but to your point, when you're playing a game, there's a reason teams don't throw the ball a hundred times. Part of it is that physicality. If you're willing to, if someone knows they have to tackle Derrick Henry or not even him, just any running back 25 times compared to tackling, let's say a slot receiver who's a lot lighter and might not search out that contact, the mindset's completely different. And if you're able to bend the mindset of the person you're playing against, that can go a long way as to winning a game. Heck, Kansas City Chiefs used to walk into stadiums and teams were already mentally kind of screwed. Same thing with the Patriots. But if if that aura is gone in a real game, then what are we doing? Yeah, I, I think I think one of the things that people forget is that the run game, um, the, the 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 best thing about the running game in football is that. The running game can be employed in whatever element comes out there. It's raining, you can run the ball. It's windy, you can run the ball. It's hot, you can run it. It's cold, you can run it. It's snowing, you can run it. It doesn't matter what surface you're on. It doesn't matter up under what elements you bring to the table. The running game is something that you can employ, whereas the passing game a lot of times depends on situations out of the passer's control. And so, like, that's the that's the that's the nuance of the game. That's the understanding that people don't don't get. I was always told something that I hated, and you probably hated as being receivers, is that there are three things that can happen when you throw the ball, and two of them are bad. And I'm like, yeah, but that's when you throw it to somebody other than me. Like that was my thought process. (laughs) Like, yeah. Throw it to me, and then I'm going to eliminate those other two things because I'm just going to snag it. And and if you throw it to that guy, that might happen, you know. But but it was you could it could be an incomplete pass, it can be a turnover, or you can catch it. And so with two of those things being bad, and only one being good, statistically, if we were if we were really doing that, statistically, it would probably be better to run the ball. Yet what we see is that people go, well, you know, like you said, the, the one target equal two and a half carries. My problem is, is within those two and a half carries, one of those carries could go for 85 yards. And that's what and that's what's never quantified is the is the game breaker, you know, part of of the game that you don't think about in fantasy. You're just happy to get the yards and you're happy to get the points. 
you don't even know how it happened. People, people look at a Derrick Henry game, and, and I use Derrick Henry because he's the he he's 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 essentially the the force against everything, right? You know, right. Um, he's he's the outlier. He's the running back that they don't try to get heavily involved in the passing game, yet he still finds a way to be elite. He's the running back that everybody knows he's going to get the ball, and yet he still finds a way to be elite and, and running the ball at a level that people can't like dispute why he gets the ball as much as he gets the ball. But thinking about it from the from the standpoint of, of even Derrick Henry, you 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 stop him. You know, you you're you're doing well at him. He's got 19 carries for 57 yards, and you you're feeling good about your defense. And then he gets into that 23 and 24 carry, and you're feeling good about your defense because you've only given up 70 yards and and 23 and 24 carries, and boom, on the 25th carry, he runs three people over and goes 85 yards down. And now all of a sudden you're looking at 25 carries for 160 yards and a touchdown. Yep. And that's something that you will never be able to tell me isn't valuable. Not only did I wear you down, but I demoralized you at the end. So now when I get the ball back, those are the games when you look up and you go, oh, well, Derrick Henry's got 235 yards. Because once he breaks one on you, whether that comes early or whether that comes late, you don't repair the dam. Like once that dam's bro- broken from Derrick Henry, there's no re- there's no repairing it. Like you just gonna get what you're gonna get that work. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and, yeah. and that's and that's the that's the part that I think a lot of times when we're dealing with fantasy that we don't well, that doesn't get considered when we're talking about the real game versus what we what we do in fantasy or what we do when we're trying to think about the way the num- the numbers of the game. No, and I'll play it like this. It's something that doesn't necessarily need to be considered by most fantasy players. That's the whole reason that they enjoy playing it, even more mm-hmm. than some some of these folks like watching the games. They like playing fantasy. Um, but yeah, to your point. There's there's a position on a sheet when you're playing fantasy. It's quarterback, there's running back, running back. Not every running back's the same. Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, guys like that, Jonathan Taylor, they're wait, it's gonna happen, runners. Meaning, yeah, to your point, 20 carries for 60 yards. And on that 21st, 22nd, and 23rd, they account for 130 because you're tired of hitting that big dude who's running fast. There's rhythm runners, guys like a Mark Ingram back in the day, but they need to get multiple carries because they get used to where the holes are going to be against that particular defense. And so they need that volume. And then there's just home run hitters. You know, the Matt Breedas, Jared McKinnons, those quote-unquote – Barry Sanders is the best home run hitter ever. Like, he can have negative four Chris, yards on Chris 12 Johnson. carries. Yeah, and, yeah, and those, those are the guys that – so the coaches understand those are different types of runners. Fantasy football aficionados don't in general. And it's not what they need to do. They just need to describe a position to you. So he has a propensity to possibly score, but they don't know that this particular defense does bad against home run hitters, but loves to tackle, you know, guys who want to hit them in the mouth often because they have bigger linebackers. It's just, it, it comes into play and that's things that don't get considered by people who don't play the sport or who haven't played the sport. That honestly does not matter to the fantasy community in, in large. Yeah, and it's a shame because it doesn't take – I feel like it doesn't take much to 
to understand it. Like it, it, it really is just, hey, you know, pay a little bit to. more attention, you know, um, to what's going on. And you can you can understand these things at a much higher level. I think the interesting part with fantasy came when it became big business. When fantasy became not only just, well, this is fun for us to do, but when it became business to a to a point where people are being paid in the media to to be fantasy experts and fantasy analysts. And and I am I am amongst them. I, I do work with the athletic um fantasy, so I understand. Um and I and I and and I think I come at it from from a standpoint of legitimate football being able to correlate into fantasy production whenever I um, I delve into there. I know when you give your, um, you know, your must starts or your sleepers and, and that it's not just based off of the numbers, but it's based off of I've I've witnessed what was going on and that mixed with numbers and matchups and and all of these things put into the gumbo together. Right. Comes out tasting well. And then all of a sudden I look up and you're in our fantasy football um, championship yet again because all of my running backs have been hurt all season. I don't want to, you know, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not bitter or anything. I just wanted you to know there's no bitterness in me. I, I was happy giving my money over for free all year and essentially just like <laughs> playing out the string because I had no chance of winning because every running back I had continued to get hurt over and over and over again. I, no, no, no bitterness whatsoever. Uh, I, I try to implore this strategy also, and I wish more teams, and I'm talking to you, New York Jets. I'm talking to you, New York Giants. I'm talking to all the teams, the Jaguars, that continuously picking the top five. You know what happens when you actually stack talent that's at the draftable position instead of reaching for guys? You generally build a good team. So – Get depth, get quality players. Don't look to reach because you need X, Y, Z player. No, you don't. You you need a good team, and so that's what I try to implore in fantasy football as well. Get as much depth as possible because, to your point, Gene, if that star running back goes down in fantasy, you might be cooked. Cooked. Not well. If one goes down, you may be able to survive <laughs> if you three. went back to back <laughs> running backs. But if you went running back, running back, running back because you were like, oh well, people think it's a receiver league now. So I'm going to zig when they zag, and I'm going to get three running backs back to back to back, and then all three of them get hurt. Yeah. You're probably not going to not going to survive. But I, I agree with you. Um, real, you know, you want to find the jewels, you want to find the depth, you want to have um two or three of, of everything, um, at, at a quality, and, and it's almost a situation where you'd rather have middle tier depth than top tier one and then you know just some pluckums down at the bottom that you you're hoping might get five or six carries in the game or, or or one or two targets in the game so i understand that but the business of the business of fantasy and what it's become it, it's interesting because now that now that the the now that the populace has decided that gambling isn't full pie anymore and, and that it's okay to just to be a gambler in 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 the open without being shunned. No one seemed to mind or or 
or think about the fact that fantasy football is in fact gambling, it seemed to get a pass in, in that world. Why do you think that, that people haven't really acknowledged that fantasy football and how fantasy football is being um, is has transformed through DraftKings and, and and these other places? Why do you think no one's looked at it as gambling the same way that they would look at me and you betting on a game's outcome? I think it's presentation. So the funny part is if you go play on any of the sports leagues, you know, whether it's Fox or ESPN or Yahoo, there is no funds associated with anything in those leagues. They're all free, but it's an agreed upon. We're going to put X amount of dollars into a pot and we're going to debut it out like this. I think it's that, that mindset that, Oh, well the game itself is free. Well, no, it's not <laughs> to your point. It's big business. It's, it is technically gambling, but I think that's why it's just positioned in people's heads that it's not gambling because the overall outcome isn't determined. If you, there's no way you can go bet on a football game in Vegas or someplace and not have money put up and then money taken out. But yeah, with fantasy football, the leagues that we play in, they're all free, except they're never free. <laughs> never free. And quite honestly, I don't want to play in the free ones because people don't take them seriously. Like nope. that's the that's the other thing about about fantasy is the more money that is in the fantasy the fantasy league, the better the league. Um, I've even I've even thought about like some leagues I'm in saying, hey man, we need to kind of ratchet up this number to really get some investment and buy in to you know um, pay attention to what's going on on a regular basis. Because it it is it's not and it's not it's funny because it's about the money but it's not about the money. It's right. really for me. It's about the competition. Like I I like the, you know I like an opportunity to compete, since I'm not trying to do that on anybody's playing surface anymore. Um, you know, so the opportunity to compete in whatever I'm I'm all for, but. It's one of those things that with fantasy, as soon as somebody thinks that they're out of it, if there's no money on it, they just check out. And now your teams of people are just getting wins. And and you want to be like, wait a minute, like I have money on this. I'm trying to win. Like I can't afford for you to take the, you know, the, the week off and have three guys, you know, not in the lineup that are starters because you don't think you have a chance to win because you, because the money's not enough for you to care. But when the money's enough to care, we, we sweat that thing down to the end. There's no, there's no, um, there's no, there's no situations where we're sitting back and going, Oh, well, you know, it's just a, it's just a couple hundred dollars. Like, no, 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 no. It's, if it's money involved and it's, and it's legitimate money, we're trying to, we're trying to get it. Yeah, see, I'm. I think you're probably built like me. Also, if we're playing a free game or I'm playing a game for money, I want to destroy the person I'm playing against. I'm just too competitive. I don't believe in. I'm not playing a five year old, and even if I'm playing a five year old, I will beat them too. Cooking, cooking. Them. So, so yeah, money or some sort of stakes usually raises the bar on that. And to your point, yeah, it's super frustrating if you have a person who's out there. They're one in nine not going to make the playoffs and they just stop participating in the league that, that, that drags down the quality of fantasy football leagues. Uh, there's ways around it. There's different types of leagues. There's one called best ball 
where you draft the lineup and basically your best of each position in that given week is your starting lineup. And it alleviates people who forget or refuse to set their lineups late in seasons so that you still get a competitive uh, situation that's going on, unless they just, their whole team gets hurt. That's a different story, but there's ways around it. But yes, it is super frustrating when you see someone who just pretty much lets the rest of the league down by not participating in drive. Yeah. And, and especially when I've, you know, when it's a Sunday and I've, and I've had a few of those, a few of those libations and I, and I, and all of a sudden I want to call you all the MFers in the world. <laughs> you know, I want to, I want to call you all the mofos and all of the BANs that I possibly can. And I can't because that's just not right. They don't deserve that. It's fantasy, right? Yeah. No, it's just gambling. This is real oh, yeah. legitimate money. And and that's the thing. Um, we we go back and, and and again I do I do work for the athletic and fantasy, but most of the stuff that I end up writing ends up being about sports betting. And as sports betting has become more acceptable and more accessible in places other than Las Vegas or offshore companies that you had to like go through third parties in order to get money into, right. we've seen it become more. Um, mainstream we see commercials on 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 espn and nfl network talking about sports betting which is really weird because no one ever talked about it before we used to always see the lines but now we see more emphasis on talking about the point spread and, and the over-unders of games when we're talking about these things it, 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 and we know it's big business obviously um we've, right. we've heard in in new york it's being taxed at a ridiculous amount um, in order to in order to, to be able to carry sports betting. We know that in Florida, um, the the Seminole Indians in their casino were getting ready to have sports betting at their casinos, and then they ran into a snafu because the government's like, you know, the the state government's like, hey man, we want we want more a bigger piece of this pie than you want to give. And they're like, nah, and, and 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 to the states, you know, they're like, listen, man, we you're essentially over here giving us peanuts of off of these billions of dollars that you're making off these casinos. Like, we can just open this up to some other people. And so it, it is a lot of business. And what's happened now is the novel, the novice person has become a better. Like the everybody, anybody who's into sports now believes that they can make their future riches off of sports betting. Um, and they do it in the most ridiculous ways that we've all have done um, just because we can't help ourselves when it's an opportunity for a checkout there. We can't help ourselves. But um, just talk about what your philosophy is when it comes to sports betting and how you've, how you've gone about navigating that world as, it be, as it's become more prevalent um, over the years. Sure. So uh, when I first started to get into it, I, I definitely did the the stay away. Sometimes you saw stuff and you try to stay away from it. Uh, certain lines, certain situations, it just didn't feel right from looking at matchups. I, I used quote unquote real football, even though there's quote unquote analytics behind it. But anyway, so it made it easier to kind of pick this pick stuff out. But as I started to do this more often, I've tried to spread it out. I've tried to analyze every every NFL game and some college games. And it becomes more difficult. I mean, there's a reason that these lines are set, and it's set pretty well by pretty damn intelligent people. 
to make sure that good portion of people coming on one side and coming on the other side. That's their whole goal because they know they'll make a rate coffee. So when I approach it, I, I have a confidence score that I give to it. So basically if I look at a line and it looks funky or fishy, staying away from it. If it looks like something where it's like, damn, this is a good line because my prediction on this prior to seeing the line was spot on. I don't touch it. If it's way off because I realize maybe they're not taking into account again, this particular guy has cooked this corner every time he's seen it for the last four years. Why shouldn't he do it now? And on the other side, the guy's weak because they're looking at the matchups from the weeks prior. That's the, that's the game to take advantage of. I try to use things that stand out, stick out, and that will make that line or make that over under make a lot more sense. And those are the games that I look to bet on because I have more leeway. I have more wiggle room for that point spread. If I know that again, Jamar Chase is out there cooking the corner across from. Yeah, I think I think one of the things that we that that people don't consider is you can't know everything. And we we're not gonna know everything. And guess who else doesn't know everything? The the people who are setting these lines. But you know who <laughs> they do know? They know us. So they're they're not setting the lines based off of games. They're setting the lines based off what we believe those lines should be. And so when you see one of those, when you see one of those lines in the opening line is, you know, a ridiculous number and you're like, man, there's no way that's Vegas doesn't think that there's a way that that's going to happen. These odds makers don't believe that's going to happen. They just want to see how many of you idiots are going to like, you know, jump on the, jump on the, 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 the hook at that point. Nobody jumps on the hook. They bring the number down or they push the number up until somebody starts biting. And when they start getting the most bites, that's where it, that's where it sits at. When they start getting the most bites on both sides, and if they're getting more bites on one side, then they move it. They get more bites on the other side, then they move it. So for me, what I've, what I've done when I first started, when I first started betting, I did what all of the novices do when they first start betting. I was trying to, I was trying to make lottery tickets, you know, um, parlays, 18 parlays where I would, I would be, I would put down $10 to get $10,000, like ridiculous stuff like that. Um, because you don't know any better. And, and, and it's crazy because there would be times where I would put an 18 parlay in and hit seven of them. And, and not really understand. And so my thought process at the beginning was, oh, well, I'll just do, you know, 10, 18 parlays. I'm going to I'm going to hit one of these 10 for ten dollars at the 18 parlays. And then at the end of the day, I've spent that 100 bucks and I haven't hit any one of those 18 parlays. But I've had seven and six and six and, and seven and five and and so i all of a sudden started realizing whoa whoa whoa, this is the hustle they get you to think because you're close because you're not an idiot they think you they they, they, they pull you in you think you're going to hit one of these and even if you hit one that's the that's the death nail because now 
you're hooked. They've got the needle in your arm and they're just going to keep sucking you for your $10 and $20 and $50. And that's what they make. They hate people who look at these things intelligently and say, I'm just going to hit them for small amounts of money consistently. And so like once my thought process changed on that and I began to look at it in different ways, you, you all of a sudden start making money or you start winning more. And, and as you win more and you begin to understand, you know, when to be in their pocket and when this is coming out of your pocket, you might have to, you know, think of, think of things differently. So for me, I don't try to know everything. I'm never going to try to bet the entire NFL. I need to know a handful of teams that I I know in and out almost. And it's, it's going to sound really awful, but I call it the Pete Rose effect. When I know, I know the bucks so well that if I don't bet on the bucks, that should tell you that you should go the other way. Like that's, that's the way it is. Um, and that was the that was the, for people who don't know that was the knock on Pete Rose is that Pete Rose never bet against his team, but if you just took the times where he didn't bet on his team, that told you he didn't feel good about their chances of winning, and therefore he was essentially betting against his team because everybody right. knew bet against the Reds because Pete's not betting for them, so. For me, it's like, well, I know these teams so well. If I'm going to put money on them, you should be putting money on them. But if I'm not putting money on them, then you should probably put money against them. Yeah. You know, and 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 really work it that way. And it's it's been interesting to see how it's worked. And then obviously realizing these these multiple team parlays are for the birds. The best way to the best way to make money in in sports betting is to is is the slow and steady one pick, you know, and if you're feeling froggy, maybe a, a two-team parlay or a two-leg parlay, three-leg parlay, if you're feeling froggy, but you're not, but you're willing to lose some money. Outside of that, when you start throwing on four and five and whatever else, you're you're gambling. Like, well, not even gambling, right. you're playing the lottery. And so um that that's one of the things that I've seen with sports betting that's been interesting is trying to really start to hone in and understand how to bet better so that you're just not out there giving away money. Um, I think that's the same thing what we see when we look at some of these DraftKings and FanDuel and how to play with the players. Everybody just wants to go out and get the most expensive player, realize not realizing that once they get you know, Aaron Rodgers, you don't have any money left to get anything else. And and you end up losing to a team that that doesn't have Aaron Rodgers, but may have, you know, um, Jameis Winston, but also has, they have Devontae Adams on there too, you know, that kind of thing. Right. So, yeah. So a couple of things. So parlays to your point. I mean, I, early on, I used to do them too. I started doing when I did so do parlays. They're so addictive. I would do I would do escalator parlays. Basically, so let's say I have a five-team parlay. What are the three teams that I feel the most confident about? Well, I'll do a three-team off those three and have a five-team where I had two additional on. So that yes. parlays are basically this. This is what you're doing. You ever played telephone when you were a kid or at least saw it? 
you are whispering in someone's ear and hoping that the 20th person down the line gets the exact same thing right, not realizing that when children say stuff to each other, they're clowns. And that's basically what's going on with a parlay. You can get four or five, six of them right. But yeah, that seventh and eighth go way left. And that's the problem. That's why, at least if you do the escalator, it's a little insurance. It's kind of built in, okay, I was smart about this, but then I went a little too far because I got a little bit too big for my britches. So uh, that would be my advice. If you did do do a parlay, do a short parlay under it with the three most confident teams that you feel good about. So at least you don't lose money uh, on that one. Another thing to your point, it's like anything. The more you know about something, the better you can be at it. Gene sticks to betting on teams that he's familiar with. So he knows exactly what's going on. And that would be my advice that I get to you as well. If you don't know what you're betting on, you're just doing it. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's not even gambling. That's just foolishness. You're just kind of throwing your money away. You're, you're throwing a Hail Mary for no apparent reason. So have intel and information on what, what you're doing. And also keep this in mind. If there's a brand name that's associated with something, so whether it's the Patriots or the Cowboys or this or that, know that the people who are setting lines always take that into account. They know that people who are novice gamblers, they'll bet on whatever team. So they might tweak the number by a point or two towards that team. So just keep these things in mind when you're betting. Again, they don't really give a crap about being right. They give a crap about getting 50% of each side to put their money down because they're going to make money off of you anyway. Yeah, I I think I think one of the things one of the things that's interesting about about sports betting is that I always have to um convince myself that I am not a professional gambler. You know, it's like you because you can really you can have some stretches where you're like, "Hey, I'm running hot." You know, um I could do this. Like all I need is dot dot dot. I could do this. Mm-hmm. All I need is dot 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 and 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 I can make it happen. And you might be right or you might be broke in like a month or less because you you there, there's a level of discipline. There's a level of discipline, there's a level of 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 of, of talent that goes into sports betting that has nothing to do with luck because you're really, you really are going to uh, eventually hit a run. It's, it's like, it's like, you know, it's like card counting. Like if you know how to count cards correctly, you're never going to lose. Like you're never going to lose in the long Long term. You're never going to lose in the long run. Um, And so it's like, having the discipline to not get frustrated when you've had a couple bets not go your way or when your bankroll is is starting to dwindle because you know that the windfall is coming as long as long as you stay committed to what you know whatever your game plan is for for or your, or your bet strategy you know if you stay committed to it you're going to have it um, it's the it's the tough it's the toughest thing to do when it comes to writing. This is what I this is how I felt I felt this year, um, writing about betting. So I, I I was doing a power not excuse me I was doing a group of five mm-hmm. column for the mm-hmm. athletic, and so I had decisions to make. Do I just 
go about this as if I'm trying to make, like I'm trying to tell people to make money or am I going at this to entertain people? Am I going at this to give them more knowledge about teams that they don't normally hear about from the other entities that cover college football? And so my decision was I was going to try to do a little bit of all, but you can't do a little bit of all. You have to, it has to be about making money if it's a betting column, if you want to win and have your percentages look good. If it's about entertainment, then you don't care what the numbers say, but you're going to get murdered in the comments on your on your columns because right. you're not right. And if you're just giving inform information about you know various teams, so it's not always the same teams, then you're going to get killed because you're going to get stuff wrong because you don't really know enough about those teams, especially yep. at the group of five level where they're the haves and the have-nots that really do really do separate. But then that, that st- section in the middle, there's a bunch of teams that are essentially just like carbon copies of each other at the G5 level that make it really difficult to like predict. And so if I had it to do all over, well, not if I had to do it all over again, but if I was going to go about just picking to win, my column would have looked almost identical every single week. It would have been the same teams. It would have been the same thought process. It would have been the same bets every week. Like I knew pretty early on, okay, nobody's going to beat Cincinnati. Houston is going to cover way more than they don't. You know, Louisiana, App State, until they play each other. You know, you could... Navy's right. gonna Navy's gonna cover most spreads because of the nature of what they do. Same with Army. You know, like you could predict things just based off of who they are, but that that that's boring. So now I'm just gonna give you the same six teams every, you know, every week and say, hey, just keep betting your money here. That kind of defeats the entire purpose of not just being a purely gamble type of the gambling type of column. So my my record wasn't great, but it wasn't great because half of the stuff that I was writing about, I wasn't going out and betting on that stuff. I was just giving you information on teams and saying, hey, if I was going to bet, this is what I would bet on this team. But that kind of, you know what I'm saying? It makes it so so much more difficult to try to be a writer in this space when your goal isn't just when your goal isn't just to win it's also to inform or to entertain yeah i mean i ran into the same thing doing a podcast again chopping it up with cj uh this is on turf talk thursdays where basically i would go over all the nfl games coming up in the upcoming weeks i had to figure out a way to do that and actually both give advice but also provide information on whether or not I would make that decision. So what I would do is I would give out the over-unders and the the lines. And then I would say, you know, if I have an eight, nine or 10, especially a 10, that's my lock. I, I feel so confident in this that I would go put my own money on it. And most of the time I do. If I had like a one, two, three or four, stay away from it. They did a doggone good job. Like I, 
I, I wouldn't touch this even with your money. So it was a way to try to kind of navigate around that problem because yeah, people get super salty if you get something wrong and you lost my money. I told you I had no confidence in this. That was the way to kind of de- deflect off of that because again, it's it's even in the NFL, it's hard to know everything about every team and there's only 32 two of them. There's more than 120 uh, college football teams. So you can't expect anyone, no matter how informed they are, to have information on all of them. Yeah, I, I, I'd say with college football and with college basketball, I definitely will pick um, various conferences that I follow. Um, and I usually try to pick the conferences that are not the conferences that the layman, you know, Joe Blow on the street is following. So I don't right. do a lot of SEC betting because everybody's following the SEC. Um, a lot right. of times when it comes to football, I'm usually in the like the Sun Belt or the, you know, the Big Sky, you know, that those those conferences that I know, I know for a fact Vegas is just throwing lines out there because they want to see who's going to bite before they change it. And I try to catch it either on the plus or the minus side before they get an opportunity to make that course correction um, and, yeah. and, and go that way, it, especially in basketball. Um, that's, that's what I do, but I tend to, I tend to be more over unders in basketball just because once you figure out the teams that can score and the teams that can't score or the teams that play defense and the teams that can't play defense, you can be pretty like you can be pretty surgical with your um this this game's going over or this game is not going to go over or this team's about to score this many by themselves and so it, it's a way to really be able to kind of narrow your narrow your gauge um your gaze onto um things that are going to help, hopefully help you win more than you lose which is the goal of anybody's um if, if anybody's betting out there, your goal should not be to win every single time because that's just unrealistic. You're going to drive yourself crazy. But you want to make sure that you're winning more than you're losing because the percentages right. say that if you're winning more than you're losing, then you're going to eventually make money. You know? Right. And, and basketball is – so I stay away from basketball personally. But to Gene's point, if, if you're betting on basketball – there's so many things that affect the game. So you already mentioned, you know, teams that can't score can. Pace comes into play, right? So that affects over and under. You know what also affects over – it doesn't affect over under nearly as much, but it affects point spreads? Teams have to file late. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. the, the, if it's football, teams run the clock out. But in basketball, they start filing. And that can make that – if you took the a certain team, all of a sudden – Four extra free throws knocks you over the top, but the over-under is still around where it was because the pace of that game went the way that you expected it to go. So it is probably safer to do that in basketball. Yeah, and and, and the funny part about the over-under is sometimes those fouls will help you because now, now that's points that are being scored without the clock running. And so, like, yeah. if you just think down the stretch of playing a game and it's 30 seconds left and you're 10 points short, and so the team comes down, they hit a three. So now you're seven down, they foul immediately. They go and hit two. You're five down, it's 25 seconds still on. Now you come down, they miss a three, but they foul. Go down and hit two free throws. Now you're down three. 
they hit a three. It doesn't help them win the game, but now you've covered because they've they've prolonged the game and they've given mm-hmm. easy points to the opposition. If you're out for the over-under, you don't care who wins. You're just hoping for a close game. Close games, close games are, are the ticket to over-unders. Blowouts are where you normally get screwed at because blowouts, they don't foul each other. Like that's right. the thing. When it's a when it's a 15 point blowout or a or a or a 20 point blowout, nobody's fouling down the stretch. Like you may get a little bit more free willing with the scoring because you know they've put the backups in and, and the backups are now going against the starters who were have been getting their head beat in all all game and now they want to get some get back on the on the backups, but but you don't get that free you don't get those free points without the clock moving like you do when it's close and it's say five to six points different with with a minute left and you're close and now you know the foul game is going to come into is going to come into play um especially in the second half no absolutely and that's that's why personally i stay away just because my level of familiarity with it this is pretty much a lesson that you all who are betting on even football a person who bets pretty regularly is staying away from an entire sport to an extent because I don't have the depth of feeling it. What's the point? It's basically, it's not even gambling. It's just throwing my money away to some extent. So Absolutely. use that same advice. Absolutely. Bet on stuff that you I, I don't bet on hockey. Um, I know I, I've seen people who bet on hockey and I'm like, um, I watched it. I watch hockey as a spectator, but I don't really understand what's going to make the difference between you know, a, a, a one and a half or a two point victory versus them just winning. And, and I don't really want to invest that that brain power into or, or that emotion into trying to understand. I just want to enjoy the game. And so, like, if you have people who bet regularly and they don't bet on something that tells you don't be a degenerate. Degenerates bet on everything, everything. And that's yep. the difference is when you get into that level of, of I bet on everything. Those are the people who are betting um, who have, who have five and six fantasy football leagues that they're in, but then they also do daily football fantasy um, every single day. Um, they're also betting. They're also betting college football. They're also betting college basketball and the NBA and the WNBA and tennis, yeah. you know, like it's not just because, because, because like you raising your hand, CJ, but you're, you're obsessive about football. And right. so you've, you, and, and really more professional football than, than even, than even college. And so it would make sense that someone who's, who's zeroed in on fantasy and fantasy betting and, and how that moves would have several different leagues and daily fan. Like that makes sense. But if you're just somebody who's doing it because you're trying to make some money or just because what, what do they say? Cause yeah. you like the sweat. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to go well. For pay, you. pay your mortgage brother. Like, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Hey mama, go ahead and pay, go ahead and pay that mortgage. Make sure that you have a place to live before you put that on you know, Villanova versus Marquette on a Tuesday afternoon, you know, um, in a neutral site game. You don't even know the name of the power forward that's playing. 
Um, that that's the type of thing that we see now with because again, I think when the money became so huge in 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 fantasy or in gambling, it made everybody think, well, this is a new lottery ticket. This is the new way we can become rich. We can we can solve our problems. All I need to do is hit. If I just hit this one, then it's is you know what I'm saying, we go in sizzler, you know. So yeah. <laughs> like you, you, I think you do that's a lot better playing the actual lottery, folks. If Absolutely. you don't know because because the actual lottery only happens X times a week. Yeah, and you, you're not betting on nine billion games. So you have you have to be under control because you just don't have the opportunity to bet as much. When you're talking about sports, you can you can find a sport to bet on any night of the week, every day, if you really wanted to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm planning on doing something. I'm gonna chronicle um, a, a challenge where I make one bet um, per per day and see how long I can hit and roll over the money to the next day. Okay. See how many days I can get and and how bold I am. Like how high can I let this money get up before I decide I can't do it anymore? I gotta pull this thing back. Which is going to be difficult because, you know, I like money. So, like, I want to pull winnings back immediately. But like, to just just to have the thought process, can I get to a seven days where I take a X amount of money and just every day one pick it and flip it every single day for seven days? What am I looking at at the end of that week? Because I think if you if you thought about sports if you thought about sports betting the same way you think about a regular job you could make you could make a decent living the problem is is most people don't think about sports betting the way that you think about a regular job like if you just mm-hmm. thought about the fact that hey you know if i put a hundred dollars on a, on and bet one game that i was like pretty darn pretty darn confident that this game was going to win and you win that game you just made Eighty to ninety dollars mm-hmm. off of an hour's worth of work. You're not going to make that anywhere else. Well, if you do that again, you know every single day, what's your expenses like on a regular daily basis? Probably somewhere around you know a hundred bucks a day that you're spending, you know, within your life just doing whatever. And if that's the case. Now you're making money to be able to do all of the incidentals that you have throughout the throughout your day and never touching any of your principal. That's a way to make money. But right. that's a that's the slow grind and there's nothing sexy about it, you know? There's there's nothing that's that that makes people go, "Oh my gosh, like, yo, they just hit for for $10,000." It's like, "Yeah, but they lost like uh they lost like $15,000 getting to that 10,000." And that's the yeah. that's the point you want to try to avoid, um, but it but it's it's tough because the glitz and the glamour of making that big splash is what everybody gets into this thing for. Yeah, no, I mean I, I tried to put some governors and rules on myself when I was doing any sort of betting or even you know outside of sports betting. You know, if I to your point came in with a hundred dollars and all of a sudden it's five hundred dollars, well I'm pulling two hundred out. My rationale behind that is. I pulled out my principal and I've doubled my money that never gets touched again. I'm working off of their money now and I'm still making as good of decisions as possible, but now I've never lost. 
And if you can continuously do stuff like that, just little stuff to really take care of yourself in this realm, to Gene's point, it becomes a job. But at the end of the day, the point of dealing with money is to make more of it, not less, right? So give some dedication, put some governors on yourself, make some good decisions. And it's something that you can do if you really want to participate in sports betting. Absolutely. And and ladies and gentlemen, that has been Gene Therapy. Um, I'm Coach Gene Clemens. Thank you for joining me. And thank you to CJ. CJ, I appreciate it. Um, tell everybody where they can find you. Sure. So uh, my handle is at CJ Florida 9. It's CJ, the entire state of Florida spelled out in the number nine. Uh, best place to follow me is on Twitter for football information. Uh, my Twitter is a wild place. You might get some opinions about me. Some of them are right. Some of them just just bear with me. And also, I have a podcast, uh, Chopping It Up with CJ. It uh, has a Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday show, Weekside Wednesdays, Surf Talk Thursdays, and Fantasy Football Fridays. Um, I'll be running some of those shows throughout the playoffs and even the offseason. But during the football season, all three shows run weekly. And I try to provide you with information wherever, whenever and wherever I can. Absolutely. And, and thank you again, CJ. Make sure that you are following him at CJ Florida 9 um, all of Florida spelled out like he said um, a great follow uh, a great man and an even better friend CJ I appreciate it um, until Thank next you. time ladies and gentlemen you know where to find me at at Gene Clemens anywhere there's there's a there's a place that you can follow somebody um, make sure that you're checking it out make sure that you subscribe to the podcast make sure that you're supporting CWN Sports we'll talk to you soon